Welcome back to episode two of Getting Hard. We are looking at the 2001 Baltimore Ravens. I'm joined in studio by uh, co-host DJ. How are you doing, mate? G'day, Dan. I'm doing well, mate. Happy to be here. Awesome. This lovely warm evening. It's pretty warm today. Uh, I'm glad to have you back. Um, we're going to cover a uh, interesting first season of Hard Knocks. I'm surprised that after this season that they actually continued on with the show, but <laughs> we will discuss that momentarily. So, a uh, quick recap on the Ravens. Uh, in 2000, they uh, were coming off the Super Bowl win. Uh, for whatever reason, they were chosen as the Hard Knocks, kind of looking at um, looking at what happens, I suppose, after, um, which is totally different approach to how they take it now. Like we covered last week, there's all these different rules that basically make it. So, if you win a Super Bowl, you're definitely not going to be on the Hard Knocks. So, this season looks at their 2001 season, obviously. Um look at the preseason first this covers the whole preseason there was instead of the normal four games only played three there was an issue with the uh, phillies field there was humongous holes under the turf to say the <laughs> least like you know a good foot of holes from uh, the uh, phillies um not filling in the, the field properly when they put the turf over it uh so basically to cover the 2001 season um the record was 10 and 6 following hard knocks which was good enough for second place in afc central they then made the wild card. That was good enough for the wild card spot in the playoffs. They won the wild card game against Miami, winning twenty to three. Uh, to three. But uh, the following week, uh, they lost to the Steelers twenty-seven ten, and that unfortunately uh, ended their season. And that year, if you don't remember, in two thousand one, uh, the New England Patriots won the Super Bowl, beating St. Louis twenty to seventeen in a pretty good Super Bowl, if I remember correctly. Uh, pretty close. So um, that's about it for the two thousand one season the ravens that's kind of what we're going to talk about now so we'll just start with the uh dude you're going to take us through kind of a episode recap if you will are you yeah not? Yep. yep so we're just going to go through each episode and briefly explain what happens in each episode and how the episodes progress um as we go so the initial episodes obviously they're a bit slower um they're not as entertaining yep um but look, we'll just get started and we'll see how it goes. So basically, episode one starts with straight away, all the players are coming back from their holiday, their break after their win, their championship win, and they're all coming back into training camp, which is basically four weeks lockdown where they train five days a week. They get to go home on weekends to see their family and they come back to do that all over again. So yep. episode one, we start off by meeting Todd Heap, the number 31 overall draft pick, tight end for the Baltimore Ravens. So interesting fact, basically, Brian Billick has been a coach of tight ends most of his career. And yep. so he was one of the people that actually picked up Todd Heap. Um, so Todd Heap, you meet him and his new wife. His wife, they'd just been married two weeks ago. Yep. So they, <laughs> they a real short honeymoon. Really short honeymoon. You know, he does the rookie mistake of bringing his wife through the facility straight away, day one, introduce him to all the veterans, Introduces his wife to all of them, um, which he gets for a little bit of slack for later on. Yeah. Um, so, look, he's a lovely, lovely young man. <laughs> he seems a bit like a country bumpkin from Arizona. Yeah. Really friendly. Um, and so, you meet him straight away. And then you get into meeting Tony the Goose Siragusa. He's so a character. Straight away, you meet this very big, rather overweight, loud Italian bloke um, who straight away says... what. I, I hate this. 
<laughs> yeah. All he does is complain for the first episode about everything. And then one of the, like the third thing I think he says is he mentions a oh, seventh round draft pick. He's, he's cut and then motions at his throat. Like, you know, cutting the throat, <laughs> like no holding back during this series. That's for sure. No. And I think the one of the hardest things actually to start off watching it straight away was I didn't know who Tony Siragusa was <laughs> and there was yep. no nameplates. There was no actual graphic to say who this bloke was. I thought it was like a coach. Yeah, and I straight away thought, well, that's a little inappropriate for the coach to say that. <laughs> They've just picked a seventh round draft pick, and they got to cut him. Um, but look, he's on a speedboat, and they show him at his holiday destination. He's having fun with his kids, and um, he's really not looking forward to coming back to training camp. Um, they jump over there from there to meet Dwayne Missouri, who is the seventh round draft pick that the goose was referring to, and he's a D tackle. Uh, he says a little bit about himself, a little bit about you know why he's excited to be a Baltimore Raven. He throws a little bit of arrogance out there that he's got what it takes to make the Ravens team and to be an NFL um, D tackle. So good luck to you, mate. Um, they move on to Shannon Sharp. If you don't know who Shannon Sharp is, he's the tight end. Um, he's obviously been around for a long time. Um, we'll go into some of his history a little bit later, but he's one of the stars of the team. Um, moving on to Ray Lewis. If you don't know who Ray Lewis is, then just Google NFL um, and linebacker and you'll most likely hit Ray Lewis pretty quickly. He'll be the first one for sure. Yeah, so he uh, sixth year in the NFL. He'd just come off winning the MVP from the championship in 2000 um, and a little bit of other politics stuff that we'll go through a little bit later. So he's a middle linebacker. Um, so you meet him straight away and he talks about him being some modest, amazing bloke in the same instance saying that he could, he, he's the bloke that will go and he'll help kids and he's the bloke that will stand up and do all these great things, but he's modest and a gladiator. Um, so it was yeah, he entertaining. Take, takes us on a tour of his house that's getting renovated and just happens to point out the Holy Bible on the coffee table <laughs> like I sit there at night reading it sort of thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> All right, Ray. No yeah. worries. Yeah, picks yep. out his own portrait on the wall and says, oh, that's probably going to go as well, but yeah. have a look at it. Yeah, that was interesting. Yep. Um, then we move on to some random bloke sitting in front of a pink mansion. Yep. Um, namely, uh, Rod Woodson, that they don't actually mention him by name for they, like four episodes. They like never mention him. Like one, one of the things that we will say, uh, well, I'll just say it now. We'll just, we'll just put it out there. This first series is just, terrible there's no coherent storyline there's really no sequence (laughs) no it just here's five minutes five minute clips from training camp all just thrown together and you never get any titles under anyone so for some of these guys that get cut you're like who who was that guy we had to go it didn't feel bad to find these people (laughs) didn't feel bad except for the kicker he's the only bloke i realized because i'm like well he was the only other kicker yeah Really, like otherwise, had no idea who these poor blokes were. No, they they never have any titles or anything like that. But yeah, yeah. like I'm sure that their parents would recognize them, so yes. that's good. Yeah. Um. Then they jump over to Kenny Jackson. So this look, he's my feel good story for the entire series. So Kenny Jackson, he's a 24 year old linebacker, and he teaches kids at a special school for those kids that have learning disabilities and behavioral yep. issues. Um. So he's the feel good story, and so then they move over to Coach Brian Billick. So Coach Brian Billick. Um, has a long history in the NFL, both as a player and as a coach, um, and coached the Baltimore Ravens to the 2000 championship. Yep. And they straight away move over to him. It's a typical early 2000s dressage. Um, he's wearing the shorts up above his belly button. Yep. The old probably Lacoste polo shirt yep. and the wide-brimmed hat. Yep. Um, but he's a character, and he's, he really starts talking about the rookies and how excited he is to get stuck back into the season. He really, I felt really affection for him straight away. Like he was, seemed like a coach that cared and he seemed really nice, nice fella. Um, 
Now, in this one, in this first episode, so basically they actually get into the training camp, which is at a Best Western. Yes, yeah. At the corner of a college. Pulling out all stops for these NFL players. They're paying Best Western rates. Yeah. Um, and straight away, the veterans come in from their mansions and things like that, and they're just sitting into like a one-bunk room. Um, pretty funny. Tony Saragusa goes and pays a steward cash to fill up his fridge full of water and beers. Um, so he basically walks around like the big man on block. Um, but and he's pretty entertaining. Um, so basically, in the very first episode, there's a little bit of rookie hazing. Um, yep. If you don't know what rookie hazing is, basically, it's when a rookie comes into the team, the veterans give them a bit of slack. They tease them a little bit. They get them to carry their pads. They get them to go and fill up their lunch trays. Yep. Um, in this instance, they ask him kind of what his salary is. They ask him what his signing bonus was. Um, and they kind of just give him, they tease him a little bit and then all the boys get behind him. Supposedly yep. it's tradition. Some call it bullying. <laughs> what, what they were doing to uh, Todd Heap, what um, the goose did to Todd Heap was, you know, not... Not really hazing. You you don't really do it to the the first round pick, but later on they showed some of the guys that you know you're, they're going to be cut, and it it gets a little different once there's the guys that are probably going to be cut. Yeah, you don't you don't want to tease the bloke who's actually probably going to be the Hall of Famer <laughs> later on in life. Um, you don't want to tease him too much because you probably want him to answer your calls in the next ten years. Yep. I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Come to your kids' softball games <laughs> to throw the first pitch and all those fun things. Yep. Um. Cool. So that's that's the end of the first episode. So really. There's not much, and there's no nameplates. So unless you know who these players are, it's very difficult to know what's going on. Yep. Um, but luckily, I knew who most of the players were. So it was actually entertaining. You got to hear them when they're a bit younger. Um, Rod Woodson's hilarious because he just seems like he's apathetic. He just doesn't care. He's like, oh, whatever. I've done this 17 times. Yep. <laughs> Whatevs. Um, so that's episode one. Episode two, we run right into, they start the episode by announcing that Jamal Lewis is injured for the entire year. Yep. If you don't know who Jamal Lewis is, he was the number five overall draft pick in 2000. Um, he was a running back, and he had some pretty epic stats in his first year uh, when they won the Super Bowl. I have the stats here. Um, so he, he ran for 1,300 yards and six touchdowns in his rookie year and obviously took out a championship from that as well. Yep. So it's a humongous loss to the team, really. Um, and everyone's kind of like, ooh, that's sad, that's sad. So basically, the episode goes into then going back to Todd Heap, you know, learning a little about his family life. Him and his wife move into a brand new house, um, and they're pretty excited to do a couple of things. Um, the wife's very tolerant because husband's away five days a week, week three of their marriage. Um, we move into the, some of the QB struggles. So they follow a young lad called Otega Jenkins. Yep. Um, and from the actual film, it looks like he's the one that's going to be in a QB battle to win the starting role. Yep. You know, you follow him around. He's throwing a whole bunch of balls. He's getting a lot of coaching. You go through the entire, his whole history. He takes you through his local hood. He's actually from one of the local hoods up in Baltimore. Yeah, he's from a pretty rough area. And he drives through and um, he's got mates in the car and they're, you know, you hang out with him. He gets a haircut. Um, he talks about all the cars on the side of the road that don't start. Um, so you kind of like this bloke. Like you think, oh, this is going to be the new up and coming quarterback. Yep. Um, pretty cool. Not really. Well, then the episode is cut. <laughs> he is the first one cut, isn't he? He's the yeah. first one cut yeah. in the whole series. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I couldn't remember this ever happening. So it really hit me by surprise. They like put so much effort and so much camera time into this bloke. And, and then he's cut. And that's what I mean about this incoherent editing for this. Later on, when they would do something like that, they would keep a guy around or they would... 
they wouldn't feature a guy that early if he was going to get cut so quick. They kind of keep guys so that they can space out the cuts and then space out the feel good stories as well, sort of thing. It's 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 a totally different show come 2007 with the Chiefs and to what it is now, where it's you know it's almost scripted reality TV at this point. It's amazing. Yeah, is what you mean. Yep, but it's so much easier to watch the new ones, whereas the later ones yep. literally it was so disjointed. Yep. That I kind of went. Well, have I jumped into episode four? Yeah, like it made it really hard to follow, especially because you know every hard knocks loves a good QB battle, um, and <laughs> the QB battle got lost immediately. Yep. Um, and then they go into obviously bringing in other running backs from free agency. So they name a whole bunch of dudes that I've never heard of that are oh. all in free agency. However, there's one bloke I had heard of called Terry Allen, yes. and they're all pretty excited by Terry Allen. A long history with the. Then Washington Redskins, now the obviously the Washington football team. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the episode, the tight ends all get locked in a building during their um, during one of their meetings, and yes. you get to see Shannon Sharp hanging out a window, chucking a hissy fit. Um, the coaches hanging out the window, yelling at the producing team to help and let them out. Um, the whole while, poor old Todd Heap, the country lads, they're just sitting there giggling, going, I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shannon's not too happy about it, that's for sure. No, um, he's not happy about it at all, um, which comes to one of the best quotes of the entire series. Um, the very start of episode three, um, he comes in and says, Man, you humiliated me, dude, on national television. I want restitution. <laughs> One of the best quotes of the series. Uh, so he's talking about Tony Goose Siragusa. So he's convinced that Goose um, locked them in the tight end room. Um, now, this is one of the only things that did kind of fit. They then panned to Goose and they asked him what he thought about the tight ends being locked in the room. And he made some big sob story about how the, the culprit should come forward and it's not <laughs> nice and everyone should be respected. Yep. And, you know... And it's, he should feel really guilty. And he looked at the camera and started pissing himself laughing. So rather entertaining that a vet actually got another vet. Um, so I thought that was actually really nice. Um, so look, episode three follows uh, Kenny Jackson a little bit more. They go a little bit into his history. Um, he promises his brother a core vet if he yeah. makes the team, um, you know, which is pretty high price. Um, they also follow some of the history about like, how why he got into teaching. Um, and why he didn't actually get picked up from into college and all those things as well. Yep. Um, and so basically, you get to get to like him a little bit more because he tries really hard. Um, he's an absolute jacked unit. He is a big boy. They show him walking around in a couple of the episodes with just his white t-shirt on. Oh my god, he's so he's so wide. Basically, a bodybuilder playing football, and he's just one of the things you do see throughout is just raw athleticism. Oh, is. Literally, he's the first episode. He's seen with his shirt off constantly because he he basically got onto the team because his brother played under Marvin Lewis. Yep. Yeah, and you mentioned before. So Marvin Lewis was flying over to LA and so um, Kenny Jackson emailed Marvin Lewis to ask for a shot. Yep. And you can say you can tell the rest, obviously, about what happened that day. And so he was out playing a pickup basketball game when he got the phone call like from Marvin Lewis. I'm in town. Come... Do a, we'll, we'll meet up at like a field and you show me what you got. And so he'd already been playing basketball, showed up, didn't have any gear other than I think he had a pair of cleats in his car and he just blew him away. Just his 40 time was like under five seconds. It was 4.63 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Like all these things just blew him away to the point where they, they brought him in the training camp. And yeah, and he's an absolute beast. Yep. Like, yeah, so look, so he, <laughs> he shoulders and traps 
literally gigantic. He couldn't touch the top of his head. That's how big his upper body was. He's a big boy. Um, so very impressive. Um, and then they also, from following Kenny, then they move on to Todd Heap again. So obviously Todd Heap being the number one pick for Baltimore, number one first round draft pick for Baltimore. They're really putting a lot of effort and a lot of coaching, a lot of time. A lot of the vets are giving a lot of time to Todd as well. Um, and you can see that he's just absorbing all this information and he's really excited just to work, um, which is really cool. In this episode, you get to hear a little bit about Todd and his signing. So straight away, the vets ask, how much did you sign for? He says, $6.1 million over five years. Um, they all laugh at him because they think that he got ripped off. And then they hear that he had a $1.2 million signing bonus at pick 31. Yeah? Let's just have a look. At pick 31... The signing bonus is ridiculous. You know, have a look at Greg Olson in 2007. He was pick 31. His signing bonus was $250,000. Yep. So they were hoping for a lot from Todd Heap. And look, he delivered. So we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, I guess at the end of this episode, you see a lot more about um, they actually get involved a lot more of the senior players. So a lot of things that Kenny was doing, a lot of things that Todd was doing, they actually ask for professional input from Ray Lewis, Shannon Sharp, and Rod Woodson. Um, the three most experienced blokes on the team. They actually ask for their professional input via interview about what they could be doing better um, and what they like about the rookies and what they like about camp and their con- their actual ideas about the coach and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool, I thought. Um, that's the end of episode three. So those first three episodes are pretty slow. Yep. Needless to say, I struggled to get through the first three episodes and watch them back to back. 45 minutes an episode um, and pretty dry content. Um, then we move into episode four. There's a much more in-depth look into training. Now, being an actual gridiron player myself, I love when they get into more in-depth training. So you get to look at a lot more of their drills. You get to see the, like their one-on-one D-tackle drills, the one-on-one cornerback drills, um, the running back drills, the quarterback drills. You get to actually see them in live contact. Um, and it's actually, I find it's actually a lot more entertaining to watch. Um, so from this, they actually have a focus on Reggie Waddell. So little Reggie's a cornerback. Uh, he was a free agent that tried out the year before in a yep. 2000 team and didn't make the team. Um, and he's trying out again. So he's, he goes through a whole lot of learning curve throughout the entire episode. They put a lot of effort into him to coach him to get him to learn this position. Um, and it seems like it's a lot harder position than I thought it was. Um, I'm not a cornerback. Um, not quicker or small. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, you know, if you know what I look like, I definitely am not a cornerback. Um, and to know that that position isn't actually just chasing a receiver is actually a surprise to me. Yep. Um, so then you go through, they follow Dwayne Missouri again, the D-tackle, showing that he's struggling a fair bit with understanding, struggling a fair bit with his motor, um, that he's really not you know, getting off his tackles, he's really not slapping when he's coming up with a D-lineman. Um, that he really needs to be trying harder. Um, they move on to Cardre Ishmael, um, who's a third-year Ravens road receiver, but his ninth year in the NFL. Yep. Um, so from this, they actually look, they actually interview his wife and his kids. Um, very cute kids. Got like three little kids and his wife there. She actually mentioned they've moved six, every six months for eight years. Yeah, so that's how many football teams he's played for. Yep. You know, that is, is incredible. What a trooper. Hmm. Not him, his wife and yeah, kids. Yeah. Uh, imagine actually having to move that often. That is ridiculous. Setting up a whole new life every six months. Um, you know, but look, he's getting a paycheck at the end of the day as well, and it's his biz- it's a business. Yep. Um, so it's you know setting up his family for life. Um, what I thought was interesting was they actually showed Todd Heap in this episode as well, actually struggling with learning some of the concepts, uh, struggling with making some catches. 
um, and getting some really significant coaching from Shannon Sharp as well as Brian Billick. Yeah, this is the episode when you first see Sharp really step up as a leader, isn't it? The one, well, as a as like a mentor to to Heap, isn't it? Massively, because I guess you have a look at to like this day and age. You look at Ben Roethlisberger as an example. Yep. Um, he doesn't want that young upstart to come and actually try to take his position. And you yep. go, well, Shannon Sharp, he knows Todd Heap has been brought in to take his position. Yep. Um, and he actually he dives right into his education and he really teaches him at play for play exactly what he's doing right, exactly what he's doing wrong, what to look for. Um, it actually made me really like Shannon Sharp, where previously I haven't really been the biggest fan. Yeah. Um, whereas I thought that was actually a really good thing to see. Um, what I thought was like the biggest part of this episode um, was the relationship tutor. So in this episode... They get a male-female relationship trainer in. Her name's Fran Seppler. Um, and to, to bring her in to educate the players around some of the issues that may come about with relationships in football. Yeah, I found this surprising too, actually. So basically, this is things like, obviously, um, when a football player is getting spoken to at nightclubs and things by young ladies or men or whoever it is, um, and then the possibility of it turning into an actual sexual assault charge. Um, and giving some education to all the players around that. Now, one of the quotes that came out of this, which really sat with me, is this. No means no, maybe means no, and yes means no in the morning. How is that? That's rough. But I think what surprised me most about it wasn't, like nowadays, it makes total sense. I, I would not be surprised at all that they have it, but I didn't realize that this was as big an issue in 2000. And, and maybe that's just me being naive. It's probably me being naive. I mean, because she's... No means no, maybe means no, and yes means no in the morning. Exactly. She, yeah. she even says um, that she's dealing with a player. She's dealt with a player in the last six months or something who got accused. He, he got contacted by a lawyer, and they basically said, you know, we're alleging you raped our client and unless you pay a quarter million dollars quarter million dollars and he just she said he just paid it it's just easier to just pay it than worry about it even if it's not true necessarily yep paid it went away signed a disclosure agreement um and that was done and all half that they actually show they pan to the players in the room and they all look shocked yep even some of the veterans like shannon sharp a couple of those older fellas are looking down like their mouth agape going how the hell does this happen um, yep. It really shows, though, that they have to be smart about it. So one of the things that came out of it I thought was really interesting, she said, um, you know, if you really like a girl, you think she's the best thing in the world, take her out on a date and do not take her home and sleep with her that night. I'm like, hey, that's pretty good. That's really actually a pretty good education for any young lad um, or female. Yep. So I thought that was interesting that they actually did have that that early on. Um, the episode ends with a preseason game, their very first preseason game against the Jets. Um, now they stop at a church on the way. Um, they have they show like the night preparation the night before, giving all the inspirational talks by each of the positional coaches um, and all the players and all the inspirational music that's going on in the background. Um, so they follow Wardell and Missouri for the most part during this episode and during so during the actual game, um, they actually talk about how Wardell got in early because of an injury. Um, he got a fumble recovery, um, but then the next play, he got trucked for a touchdown. Massively, just like feet sticking up in the air, trucked, like big hit. And he actually says, he goes, my feet were like going everywhere. I didn't know what's going on. Uh, and they show the repeat of it. And yeah, he got friggin' trucked. Yep. Um, and look, to be honest, he's like, you know, first game, you can't blame him, but I think they do blame him. Um, 
And so then obviously after that, they follow Missouri, who's the D-tackle kid, um, you know, shows that he's getting better and better. He's trying his best. Kenny Jackson just goes on special teams, doesn't get much of a run. Um, Todd Heap, I thought this was great. Todd Heap's first play in as the number one pick, um, he was started on a punt and he ran down and made the tackle himself. Yep. <laughs> so he's a big lad and he showed his speed. Everyone thought he was great until he was limping off because he got stood on and the coach gave him a bit of a whack. Um, but he came out, made a few good catches, and so they're all pretty excited. Um, so look, they lost this game 13, 3 to 16. Yep. So they got smashed. They were showed they were unorganized. They showed that a championship team that comes back after a preseason isn't necessarily great. Like they need training, they need that to refresh. Um, an interesting fact that came out of this was that the last time they had lost in a preseason game was 1997. Um, it's not not a bad record. I mean, it's preseason, but four years of preseason, yeah. not losing a single game, so that's pretty good. But look, obviously they they lost that one. Um, episode five was my favorite episode. Um, this is one of the more juicier episodes where there's actual content. So it starts off with saying that this is cut week. Yeah, so this is the week before the last ga- last preseason game. So this is cut week. This is where all the blokes are on notice. Um, so it starts off actually by Brian Billick saying, we've got King Ugly coming on. So King Ugly basically is a competition they run every year where each player gets to nominate who they think is the ugliest player in the team. Yep. And then everyone spends a dollar to bet on the ugliest player. And I believe yeah. you could do more than one because more you could give a hundred bucks if you wanted to because as you'll say in a moment, yeah, it's it's not just one dollar one person. It's no, you can spend as much money as you want, but it's one dollar per vote. Yeah. And so basically, the the rankings are first, second, and third. Um, the third gets seventy percent of the pot. Yep. Second gets thirty percent of the pot, and first gets nothing because they ugly. Yep. Um, those are the rules. <laughs> I found that rather funny. Yep. I mean, a little mean, but still funny. Um, and so basically they, they show at the start of the episode that the veterans start getting a lot more time on their hands because the meetings are going shorter. The training sessions are shorter. Um, and so there's more rookie hazing. There's more video game playing. because uh, All the boys are getting a little bit rowdy. And so they set up this King Ugly thing to try to obviously get a bit more bonding. With, with the video game playing too, by the way, I enjoyed the fact that it was arcade games. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't sitting around with the PlayStations. <laughs> They were in the bottom of the Best Western at the arcade. So, <laughs> Still putting in yeah, 20 cents a pop or a quarter a pop. Dating it a little bit, but yeah, I thought that was entertaining. I think there was, what, two blokes that had PlayStations? Because yeah, I saw a bit yeah. of Madden 2001 running around. Yeah, there was there was a couple, but uh, most of the guys were down at the arcade, apparently. <laughs> it was, And also the coach is like, oh my God, look at all these technologies. <laughs> What's going on? Yep. Um, so look, from, from the King Ugly, it was rather entertaining. So the first bloke, the, guy, the bloke who came third uh, was a bloke called um, Damien New. Swing. He won nine hundred bucks. So that's pretty big to be saying that he's an ugly. And I didn't think he was an ugly bloke. No, really. I, I couldn't tell super because of the quality. But uh, <laughs> he didn't. He didn't appear to be ugly. They didn't. They didn't pan into him. And then he was one of the guys that got cut. So, <laughs> so we didn't really find out very yeah. much about poor old number three. But look, he went out with nine hundred bucks. Um, and look, it wasn't exactly four K quality. The streaming we were watching. So. I don't really know how that went. So number two was Jason Brooken. So he's the fullback, number 44. He got second. So he was basically over in Europe and he got brought over this year by the coach. Um, he straight away took offense at coming second. 
He had a uh, great. This was, this was a really funny scene. But it, yeah. it was. I think this is the, one of the best scenes in the entire series. So basically, he said, "No way, man! There's five guys. I could name five guys that are uglier than me." Yep. And he went and actually named five guys that are uglier than him. He went up and pointed at every single one of them. Just to walking him. around the room, and he's like, "Oh, I'm coming up on someone now." And then he'd like throw his arms and be like, "This guy," and he'd be like. And look the room me? would just go off. Look at him, sort of thing. And he'd like look at the camera and give him a smile and stuff. And the room was laughing. Yeah, I thought that was very... And the last bloke that he pointed to was the coach, Brian Billick. <laughs> yeah, which then Billick did say it was a, a bit gutsy doing that. And so he did, did. Uh, uh, the goose. The goose Sarah actually goose said, whoa, can't believe he threw the coach in there. <laughs> but then went on to say, but the coach is pretty ugly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so look, that was fun. Um, they go to obviously, they watch um, Edwin Mutala uh, do his haka. Um, which is really cool to watch. Obviously, for the Americans that haven't seen it very often, um, they were all kind of in shock and a bit in awe at the um, at the cultural dance, which is pretty cool. Yep. Oh, um, sorry, you didn't say who the winner was. Oh, the winner. The winner was one of the coaches, Donnie Henderson. The secondary coach, yeah. The secondary coach, Donnie Henderson. Now, poor old Donnie looked like a really nice fella. Yes. Um, he had to put on a little crown and a, and a sheet and holding a plunger. And he basically had really nice manners. Yep. Um, he didn't swear. No. He said, you guys, I'm going to kick your butts. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but look, he took it really well. Um, I thought the poor bugger, there's a whole bunch of uglier blokes in the room. Uh, I think it was interesting that Brian Billick brought up that typically the offensive linemen run this competition yep. and stated that because they're normally the ugliest blokes in the room um, and they always end up coming third so they get to share 70% of the pot. Uh, so this year they didn't run it, which is why no offensive linemen won it. Um so basically at the end of the, so that was the fun part of the episode then they move on to running backs in focus because of this whole uh, having to cover Jamal Lewis this is how obviously talking again about how the disjointed film um, cinematography yeah. um, where you know why it has it been structured this way um, so you get to see a little bit more about Terry Allen um, so Terry Allen and Brookins so Brookins the bloke who came second in King Ugly um, and you get to see him learning off Terry Allen, who's like a nine-year veteran by yeah. then. He come from the Redskins. Um, and that was really interesting to watch because you got to see a bit more of their training, a little bit more of their drilling, um, and what you have to do to be a running back in the NFL. Um, this is also another another interaction after that about Heap and Sharp, how they actually, you know, the coaching and the relationship that they start building and the role modeling, um, which is really good. Um, they spend 15 minutes of poor Kenny Jackson getting grilled. So Penny, Kenny Jackson getting grilled constantly. They repeated the exact same um, linebacker drill on film about 15 times to show how bad his tackling is, Yeah, um, which is a bit sad. Um, then they move on to Reggie um, Wardell again, the cornerback, and he starts actually explaining the difference between a cornerback and a nickel. And being a bloke is not a cornerback. That's actually really interesting. Yeah, it was one of the more um, helpful things. Like, like when, when we did our introduction you kind of mentioned how uh the later seasons push a lot more about learning about the positions whereas this is really one of the only times during this series that they even kind of touch on they touch on vocabulary but they never really explain any of the vocabulary they just go no. it's a whole nother language and they start <laughs> showing the coaches going off on all these different weird words and stuff but they never say what they mean or anything like that and that's just kind of that segment so this and is one it. of the few segments where they actually kind of take you through and explain maybe some of the intricacies with uh, different positions within a team. Yeah, definitely. And actually, like you, you get to learn what the difference is between a nickel and a cornerback. Um, and it, it's quite large. And you can see someone like Reggie going, look, I just tried to learn cornerback and now 
um, trying to learn nickel and it's all kind of all over the shop. I think one of the biggest things that came out of this, um, like this one period of time in this episode was Marvin Lewis's silver jacket. Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah. (laughs) He's wearing like this random shiny chrome silver jacket yep. which is just I, c- I couldn't concentrate on anything else for the rest of the episode because I was watching his friggin jacket the whole time yeah um, I, I agree yes. yeah so I, I basically got completely sidelined because of that um, then after this they go through the rookie show if you don't know what the rookie show is basically all the rookies every year if pretty much every football club they come up and they actually do a show where they they normally do impressions or they sing or do something to make themselves look like idiots, but it's a way for them to be able to dig back at the vets that have been yep. hazing them and dig back at the coaches who have been giving them a hard time. Yep. Um, so it's typically one of the more entertaining parts of any series. Yeah, and this is one of the segments that they have um, definitely from 2007 onwards. I'm not sure about the Cowboys. I'm sure I, I would assume they have it, but... Um, they definitely show this every year from 2007 onwards. Yeah, it's like it's like a tradition for all um, NFL football clubs. Yep. Um, and it's really fun. So basically, so Todd Heap comes up and he impersonates all the coaches, um, which is pretty funny because Brian Billick um, does wear his pants over his belly button and yep. has his little um, bucket hat on and his polo shirt. And Todd Heap did a pretty good uh, impression of Brian Billick. <laughs> and the whole room thought it was an absolute pisser. Yep, it was um, really good. And Tim, unknown last name. Yep. If you uh, have watched the episode and recognize who he is, uh, feel free to let us know because the two of us could not figure out who he was. He didn't make the team. Some Tim guy did an amazing impersonation of Shannon Sharp. It was amazing. Um, And a lot of the filming was actually really focusing on Shannon Sharp and Ray Lewis at the back of the room. Being one of the two senior amazing players in the team yep. and they thought it was hilarious yeah it was um, a really good impersonation it was it actually was perfect uh, yep. wearing the bucket hat over his eyes and he you know and his deep voice like you were saying like the same bloke from evolution yeah orlando jones orlando jones like same voice same they voice look similar too um which is really good to see them be able to take the piss out of each other um so basically then they go the whole team the whole team get together all the rookies basically there's eight of them and they impersonate ray lewis doing his chant Yep. Of um, was the, it, what the, time is it? Game Dog, time. What time is it? Game time. Doggy's in the house. Yeah. Then a bunch of barking. Woof, woof. And, oh, it's um, it's yep. really funny. If you haven't seen it, go jump onto episode five and look in the last like fifteen minutes. It's hilarious. Oh, you could also. I'm pretty sure there's just a if you just YouTube um, Ravens rookie show, there'll be a like a five minute clip of the whole that whole segment. Yeah, it's worth it. It's very entertaining. Um, and look, and Ray Lewis takes it pretty well as well. Yes. So they, they looked like they're actual a fun, cohesive unit too, which is really good. No one's too up themselves, it's which, looked like. Which is one of the things that uh, with the Hard Knocks series, all of them, that's kind of what starts to happen towards the end is they'll often, not so much in this one, but later series, they always have like the first couple episodes, there'll be like a fight or something like that. And dudes just don't get along because you're all fighting for positions. But when we're down to this last couple episodes, there's only like 10 cuts left at this point or something yeah. like that. Most of so, the players are from the year before. They're all mates. They've all played together. Yeah. So this is when it starts to become, all right, well, now we kind of know who everyone's going to be. Like, let's prepare for the season sort of thing. And, and you get a yeah. little more relieved and more comfortable with each other and stuff. Yeah, so. which is really good to see, actually, because they're all getting paid. They're all very serious, but they can still have fun. Yep. Um, one of the things I found really funny is the blokes who didn't participate in the rookie show, they all got uh, either taped to goalposts and soaked with a whole bunch of 
random water slash Gatorade and all yep. the drinks. Or they got tied up and dropped into ice tubs. Yep. So our mate Reggie Wardell and our mate Kenny Jackson both didn't participate and they both got cold tubbed. Yep. And um, then uh, I enjoyed uh, the veterans after they dropped them in. They're all taped up. They can't get out. The veterans standing around them shouting, cold tub, cold tub, cold tub. <laughs> It was that was rather funny, yeah. Uh, and they all took it rather well because by then there obviously a few of them had become mates, yeah. Um, as opposed to the hazing that was happening in the first few days, um, don't think many relationships had been built by then. Um, so and then look, they move on to obviously showing that the vets have gotten a bit of a relationship with the players again. So Goose. Um, takes out Missouri and a few of the D linemen to a pub and he gets them to start singing at the pub. I think all the everybody at the bar starts to clap and they have a drink and um, you know, they all get to like be friendly again. Yeah. Did you notice at that pub too that it was two dollar pints? Was it two dollar pints? Or was yeah. it pictures? No, it was two dollar pints according to the back and I said well, I did notice that there were three blokes at the bar not clapping. <laughs> They were probably annoyed that all this television's around and they just wanted to get drunk at the pub and all these people interrupting them, their terrible music. He made, he made them turn the jukebox down and everything so they could sing. And they sang the theme to the Jeffersons, which isn't overly entertaining. And no, they didn't know all the words either, so rather funny. Uh, the Goose also warned them, probably don't rap at this bar as well. <laughs> Why is that, Dan? <laughs> Not sure. Not sure what his uh, intentions were. <laughs> Very funny. Um, yeah, and so look, this is this is probably the first time that they actually bring up the QB focus and the QB battle. Yeah. Um, so they brought up, obviously, that Randall Cunningham hadn't done too well and had missed a lot of his passes, wasn't really understanding the systems very well. Um, and then all of a sudden, they jump over to a gentleman named Elvis Gerback. Yep. What's entertaining about Elvis Gerback is that it's spelled G-R-B-A-C. I feel like it's missing a vowel. I or an E or, or an something. A. A o. right there. Yeah. Um, maybe another R. Um, but yeah, so just uh, I feel like it's missing something, but actually that's what his, how his name is spelt. Um, they picked him up off the offset um, during the offseason and he just walked right in. He, had the, he played in a, the same kind of um, system back where he was before. Um, and so they straight away loved this bloke. So poor Randall Cunningham, who was the starting QB at the start of hard knock season, um, basically just got thrown under the bus you didn't yeah. actually see him pick do another snap after elvis got introduced no and um and that was one of the only times that they showed um art model the owner coming down and, and he was just raving about elvis sort of thing and and then that was kind of it like i said like this unlike other seasons there wasn't really a qb battle so that, that was the qb battle yeah. the qb battle was that uh this bloke rocked up and um, randall cunningham uh, got cut yep Bad luck. Um, and the, the episode finishes with the Panthers preseason game, which is the last preseason game. There's a couple of good things that happen. You get to see Gurubak throw his first touchdown to um, Cadre Ismail, which was pretty cool. It was like a 70-yard pass. It was pretty awesome. Um, you get to see Ray Lewis with a pick six. You get a fumble, a lost fumble for picks, a lost fumble for six return. Um, Waddell dropped a kick return. Uh, Missouri was actually vomiting yes, during the multiple game. Multiple times, yep. Vomiting during the game, and so he was a bit weaker. Uh, then there was Kenny um, Jackson, who stuffed up a fair few times, um, but he actually thought he did better during the game. Now, what I found was interesting was the last eight minutes um, of this episode, the music turns weird. Yeah, because real uh, like ominous or actually, emotional. Like, I mentioned before that it actually felt like I was listening to the opening theme of Forrest Gump <laughs> like it literally gets to that sentimental music where you're like what is going on is this an, yeah. is this a film about sport or is this actually yeah. like a drama 
It was a bit different, like everything with this season. A little bit different. <laughs> yes, it was a little bit different. Maybe it's they'd actually found audio cues in yeah. episode five. Yeah. Uh, so basically, at the end of episode five, they actually say now this next episode, this you know, we're now going to cut people from sixty-five down to our fifty-three man roster. So it's about to get about to get real. So then, sentimental interlude again. So episode six. This is inter- interesting because the very start of this episode, all the players go home. The players leave, they go home. You get to see them go to their families. You get to see Ray Lewis and you meet his mum. You meet Rod Woodson's family. And you, you get to actually watch Todd Heap go and finally move into his house with his new wife. Yeah, make um, furniture. Make furniture. Which uh, reminded me of the Dolphins um, when uh, Ryan Tannehill and his wife were making furniture. It's like the same <laughs> shots. I'm like, exactly oh, they, the same. They've definitely used this one before. Or David Johnson, <laughs> the Cardinals. Yep, that's right. <laughs> it's yeah, exactly yeah. the same every time. It's always the rookie. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so what's cool about that is you get to see uh, them actually move back home and they're actually a lot happier. Uh, Goose has another kid, baby girl Ava. Uh, one of the things that I thought was nice was the coach actually called to check up on how everything went, how the birth went, how his wife is feeling. And so that was actually really nice to see that he actually cares for his players. Yep. Could be because he was on film. You never know. You never know, but I would assume not. But yeah. Yeah, probably not. So the coach then talks about, it's a lot more coach focused in this last episode. They all talk in conference around which players get the spots. Then they go back to the vets. So the Rod Woodsons and Ray Lewis and the Shannon Sharp and they get their, their ideas around how good the rookies are and who should be cut, uh, what they need to do to get better. Um, then they have a closer look at the last blokes who's on the cusp. So Missouri's on the cusp as a D-tackle. Kenny Jackson's on the cusp. Um, then Reggie um, Waddell's on the cusp, So, which is interesting. And then all of a sudden they bring them all in and all of a sudden a whole bunch of blokes get cut. Yeah, guys you haven't seen at all during the series. Literally, you go, oh, wow. All of a sudden I've seen uh, like eight people walk into the office and get cut yep. out of nowhere. Um, and then, unfortunately, what was really sad was they go to a massive story about Kenny Jackson again during this episode. They replay the same scene at his special school, him teaching a bunch of kids how to play basketball, Yep. which is random because like, it looks like that's all he's teaching this class is how to play basketball <laughs> constantly every yeah. time they pan to it, <laughs> which is, I don't know which class that is, but I'd like to take it. And then, um, basically, poor old Kenny, he gets cut. Yep. Yeah, pretty sad. Um, one of the things I did notice was Wardell's name was spelt wrong on the coach's board. So when they were talking about cuts and who's going to make it, who's not going to make it, um, <laughs> Wardell's name was spelt wrong. So obviously it was pretty pretty bad to begin with of what they were thinking of him. Um, so I guess I mentioned before that um, all this, heaps of people got cut randomly back to back. All of a sudden you just see pretty much eight blokes in a row get cut, which is, you know, it's pretty intense. And everyone was saying that it's really actually emotional because you're sitting there in a room with another rookie and when that door knocks, you're praying that it's your mate that you've just spent four weeks with. Yep. You know, you're actually going, oh, I hope that knocks for him. Yeah. It's brutal. They woke up blokes in the middle of the night to go down and get cut. Yep. From sleep, you know? So, pretty sad. Then... At the end of the episode, basically, they say that there's 10 blokes that are going to be put on notice for the practice squad or made for the active roster. Um, and then they bring them all into the room the next day, which I thought was brutal because they said, everyone in here is cut except for Missouri and Waddell. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Felt like the whole Simpsons. Um, yeah, yeah you're I cut. like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut you. <laughs> um, and basically, then they at the end of the episode, they do a recap of... Um, the, you know, the 2001 season. So they actually go through a brief 
um, description of how they went during that season, which Dan mentioned earlier. Um, they did pretty well, really, for the injuries they had. Um, they got banged up during the year, and they came out with ten, a 10-6 ten and six record. Uh, they got to the divisional playoff, so that's actually pretty good, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's a pretty good outcome. I mean, obviously, they would, would have loved to have backed up their win, but, you know, that doesn't ha- happen a lot, a lot uh, all that often in the NFL. So, But, you know, you can't be upset with making it to the divisional round. Yeah, exactly right. So, look, basically that was the season in a nutshell. Now, it's hard to say in a nutshell because this kind of felt like it was a whole bunch of random branches throughout the five or six episodes. Um, It was really difficult to keep to any storylines. The introduction every single time when episode came on really frustrated me. (laughs) It literally was just a whole bunch of power words and weird music in the background. Um, Yeah, it was... Pretty amateur compared to what uh, what it is now. Oh, um, the Hard Knocks theme just it sends shivers down my spine. Whereas yeah. this Hard Knocks theme sent shivers everywhere else because I was scared. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it looked like a Wesley Snipes opening movie. <laughs> <laughs> they show uh, the only I believe the only player they show in that opening theme is um, Ray Lewis, and they show him like as a cyborg for a second. Like oh, they like, do too. Yeah. Like, okay, and then they show a crow, a raven, a sorry. raven, yeah, a raven, um, just like. Crowing around, crowing at the thing, <laughs> and then, yeah, it's just—it's not great. No, it is not great at all. Um, which kind of make yeah, not ideal. But look, as you know, the next seasons and stuff—they actually their intro is epic, and it really gets me hooked. Every time I hear that theme song of the Hard Knocks theme song, it just yeah, I love it. Yep. Um, all right, so let's gonna go, so basically that's the end of our recap of the actual season. So we're gonna go through um, what some of the stories are that we're gonna talk about in the next episode. Yep. So basically, we'll we'll go through players. Uh, next episode, next week, we'll go through Todd Heap, kind of look at him, uh, Tony Siragusa, uh, Shannon Sharp. We'll look a little bit more at what happened when Jamal Lewis went down with his ACL injury. Um, uh, so specifically at Terry Allen and uh, Jason Bookins. Brookins. Uh, then we'll just kind of look at Dwayne Missouri, Reggie Waddell a little bit, uh, Kenny Jackson as well. Kind of those three guys that um, you know were always on the cusp, if you will. Um, and then, um, we've got a little bit about Ray Lewis and then we're going to look at the coaches. We're going to see who who went where, uh, what happened, um, you know, that sort of stuff. And then also before the coaches, sorry, we'll have, uh, just look at Chris Barnes real quick. I just want to look at him. He was taken in the fifth round that year, uh, from New Mexico state as a running back. Um, we'll cover him just briefly. And, um, I think that'll do it for this season, I think. Yeah, look, I think so. Look, hopefully you enjoyed the actual recap. I know it was difficult because of all the storylines being absolutely all over the shop. Yeah, yeah. Um, but look, hopefully, obviously, you get something out of some of the more in-depth looks around how some of the players are and where they are now. Yep. And and this is the way we planned on this series going. Um, as this is only our first episode, uh, if you if you think it could go better or different, uh, certainly let us know. Just Just reach out and say, hey, maybe don't do this or do that. Yeah, or get or, better or, yeah get better uh what what would you like us to do basically i'm i'm happy with with any feedback i'm sure it is the same way so yeah um, definitely yeah you can uh just comment on the facebook page or um reach me on inst- uh twitter at uh at the dan stewart and i believe you have a new twitter handle don't you dj i do after i was given feedback from someone rather close to me yep. my wife saying how <laughs> juvenile my twitter handle is so it changed to something even more ju- juvenile to at Deej Loves Port. There you go. And that's D E E J Loves Port. There you go. You want to take us out of here, Deej? Get hard, stay hard, my friends.